we sit enjoying the shade. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Drink the drink that I have made. Hey, brother, pour the wine. Good evening, and welcome to Drink in the Style, brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design, Minneapolis's premier commercial and residential interior design firm. I'm your host, Gregory Rich, and I'm going to help you kill your Saturday and Sunday early evenings with some booze and conversation. My guests tonight are Tony Hughes and Sandy Winand. Tony is the owner uh, of, and Sandy is the project manager for, Urban Refurbishment, a full-service design and remodeling contractor based here in the Twin Cities. Sandy is also the chair of the ASID Programs Committee, so we'll be talking about that quite a bit as well. Tony, Sandy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. Um, <laughs> oh dear Lord! Our dedicated coctologist from Mercy Benedict's Mill Valley Kitchen, Dan Newkirk, is mixing mixing tonight. How are you, Newkirk? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank right. you. You settling into your role as coctologist? You know what? It's it's been a tough road, but uh, I'm going to do it. You were made for the job. That's that's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We had a challenge on drinking because uh, prior to the program, Sandy, you allowed that you are a vodka drinker. Tony, you're a scotch guy. So we thought about doing some kind of crazy combination. But, you know, there's no quicker route to oblivion than trying to mix scotch and vodka. So, Newkirk, what did you decide? So we're going to do a, uh, a kind of a modified uh, flip uh, with a, a classic sour cocktail used with egg white. Uh, we're going to do the full egg, which makes it a flip, but I'm going to incorporate some citrus because uh, the job today is to bury the spirit, uh, just to make everybody happy. <laughs> so the nice homage to the uh, Frank Sinatra theme that we've been going to do the rest of the year, mm-hmm. uh, Cuddy Sark, they drank the schnuckers off this stuff back in the day. And it's not very good. Like We all kind of went around tasting it and uh, had a, a memory. Mine was like stale cigarettes from like Aunt Martha's purse. Yeah, that actually sounds just spot on for <laughs> yeah. Cuddy Sark. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Scotch guy. I love Scotch. I Johnny Black is my is my go to, uh, and uh, and what have you. Because you know, do you know the history of uh, of single malt versus blended Scotch whiskeys? I do. Really, the uh, marketing uh, nonsense and uh, yeah, but it's it's there's more to it than that. Like there? there there's good and bad. Like just because it's blended doesn't make it bad. No, blended uh, blended used to be superior. Blended was considered to be the ability to create a complex, delicious cocktail or uh, a spirit. But then in the 1940s, I am told, Glenn Fittish launched a complete advertising and marketing campaign in the United States, arguing that single malt was superior because they had a higher profit margin because it was all theirs. Oh, people started liking chewing on peace and malt and moss and. <laughs> Just like, just chew it on the sea. Like, no, that's not for me either. And that's how we're going to bury this scotch today. All right. Well, whatever it is, Cuddy Sark needs to be buried, but it will still get us loaded. So that's uh, acceptable. So we were going to do a flip. And a flip, as you pointed out, is a uh, cocktail includes an entire egg. The yolk whole and egg. white. Yeah, it's going to be like a really fancy eggnog, essentially. Fabulous. Uh, I would normally call for our mixing music, but Eric is standing in as our as our producer, and I didn't give him a fair warning. So we're gonna. Oh, look at that! A hero. You need a cape. <laughs> oh, I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> Prove it. You're not wearing the running suit. I'm used to seeing you in the. Ru- you are the the master of the running suits. Yeah, my track suits are pretty expensive. But no. <laughs> 
today. <laughs> All right, Dan, tell us what we got going into this drink. So we got one and a half Cardi Stark, uh, half ounce of orange curacao, uh, three quarter lemon, and one ounce of uh, house bricks dim. Dem- Demerara. Okay. Uh, some orange saffron bitters and some grapefruit bitters. All right, look at it. He's double fisting the, uh, the, the, the shakers. I like that noise. I like to leave it sit for a little bit. I keep talking about making it like a uh, ringtone or something. So one of, the, one of the proper ways to make a, a sour or flip, uh, I'm doing a reverse meme shake uh, as opposed to a, a meme. So you can either do it dry first and then add ice later. But I do ice first, pour it out, dump the ice, and start fresh. you got to shake the crap out of it so you stop hearing the ice. And that means it's done. It's like the uh, oven bell going off. Fully cooked. A dry shake, by the way, is mixing the uh, alcohols without ice. And that's a little bit of information that you could pick up if you did have a copy of the Drink in the Style 2019 Cocktail Compendium on sale now. Salad plug. Yeah, right? (laughs) Thank you. All right, you got it mixed, and this, wow, this is frothy and heavily eggy, correct? Yes, eggy was the adjective I was looking for, Greg. Thank you. I, I I am a master of the words. For a wordsmith, eggy? Really? Eggy. From the Latin, eggatorium, meaning... You're eggy. <laughs> Eric, did we get the ejector seat set up in the studio yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting. <laughs> Don't push the button! All right, we're making a cocktail that is also a uh, a lunch, so I am really excited about this. Sandy, are you... This, maybe this turns you around on scotch. Or lunch. <laughs> Both. <laughs> you know, they say Guinness was uh, designed to be lunch and a drink in one. It was supposed to be like the original protein shake. I believe it. <laughs> the world was a better place once. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you got it mixed up. The shaker is completed. You're, uh, you're straining this. Uh, making a mess. Not over ice. Yeah, you are making a mess. Yeah, that's what I got to tell us. All right, excellent. Because I don't need. I've never, I've never made one of these sitting down before. Um, this is a labor-intensive cocktail. That makes a difference. All right. While he's getting that, you're right. By the way, that does look like an eggnog. I mean, oh, it's the way you put it in your mouth. I'm excited. Heavy mouthfeel, silky. All the mouthfeel. Excellent. All right, it's on its way. While we're about to distribute this, we're going to do our traditional random question. This is a chance for Tony and Sandy to actually talk during the program. <laughs> All right, you guys. This is an opinion question, so this is not definitive in any way. But as as construction folks and, and designers in that space, I want to know. Family of four, 2020, what is the ideal house size for that family of four? What would you do? Uh, wow. That was that was an awesome touch on there. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry. Uh, Dan just uh, atomized off of a very effeminate atomizer. Uh, what was that that you had in there? Lavender. Lavender. Onto the drink. So what do you think? Um, I, w- I would say it kind of depends on the needs of the family, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along with that, the design of the space can very much influence how much space is needed for that family. Mm-hmm. Well-designed space uh, goes further than than something that's uh, not thought through, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, so it sort of depends. There are a lot of families of four in the metro that have less square footage than <clears throat> maybe some other houses, and if it's laid out right, I think I think it's fine for them. 
Mm-hmm. So you're basically sidestepping the entire thing. You know, somebody comes in and says, we're a family of four, we want 12,000 square feet. You're going to say, okay, that's perfect. That's a little much. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then hand him a scotch sour. Cheers. Cheers. All right. We're going to give a quick try to the cocktail, which is ready. And, yeah, this does look like an eggnog. And here we go. Sandy, what do you think? It kind of tastes like vodka. All right. Oh, my God. A complete success. <laughs> it's fruity. It's delicious. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't taste like scotch. Newkirk, you are a buried master. It. You buried did it. bury the Cuddy Sark. It's camouflage. Yeah. So All if right. I go out to a bar and order this, is the bartender going to frown? You better know what bar you're at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking houses. That feeling goes stealing down to my shoes while I Welcome back to Drinking the Style. It's a one-hour conversation about art and architecture and design and anything aesthetic. This week is an ASID week. We're going to be talking about the Society of Interior Designers, and we're going to be uh, letting Sandy and Tony actually chime in here. But before we do, Newkirk, you need to take over. This is delicious. As we talked about off the air, is uh, you'd have six of them, which indicates that it's a it's a good drink. It's the Greg Rich scale of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. you know, it is the season, man. When it's, when it's cold outside, uh, you want something that's kind of like going to be mouth fulfilling. You know, because it's, it's got some savory notes. It's got the citrus notes. I actually got like a weird um, Tootsie Roll thing going on on the, on the backside when I finish swallowing it. Let me know what you think the next sip you take. Uh, I'm just provoking thought here. But, yeah, no, it's classic, classic flip with a little modern twist because uh, typically the old school flip didn't have any citrus. Uh, but I knew that would be the shining light that would bury all the uh, gra- grandma's cigarettes uh, for you. So <laughs> This is delicious. No, this is really, really awesome. Congratulations, because yeah, Cuddy Sark is, is 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 nightmarish, but you've managed to turn a fabulous drink. And there'd be no point in using any other scotch because you don't even taste the scotch. Correct, and it's going to look great sitting on your bar cart. And this is oh, you bastard! <laughs> You're right. Because <laughs> Greg gets to keep the bottles that we use, and I doubt we're going to go through the whole thing because Brian Oak isn't here. I got a <laughs> Brian Oak is is one of our guests who is always sure to finish whatever bottle we happen to have on board. But uh, no. Oh, that's uh, oh, dude. That's 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 awesome. And but here's the thing, though. Usually, to bury the spirit, bartenders what do they use? Sugar, crap, some kind of sweet, sugary nonsense. You've buried the sc- the, the taste of the scotch. You've buried the alcohol, but not in some kind of sugar coating. Well, I, I believe in a balanced cocktail. Yeah, that's why you are a master of what you do. Mm, it's good. Yeah, and and I, I love your brevity. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy Winand and Tony Hughes from Urban Refurbishment. You guys, as I said, welcome to the show. Um, you are a full-service design and remodeling company. Tell us what that means. So we are uh, we're a residential remodeling firm. Uh, I would say we are a boutique firm. We are not focused on volume. It's just Sandy and I. Uh, we're management heavy uh, on our jobs. We sub. Uh, sub out with our partnered subs. Our main uh, focus on our projects would be communication and client experiment. Experience is very important to us, uh, and the project management itself, obviously. But um, 
Yeah, we focus on, I, w- I would say, high-caliber residential remodeling projects is, is uh, what we do. Well, the project management aspect is, is absolutely key because, you know, managing subcontractors can be <laughs> a challenge. And it is a job. It is definitely a full-time job. Um, but <clears throat> when you get the right people in your court, it's, it's a fun job in that uh, we get along and crack some jokes with, with our subs and, and get the job done. Good subs are worth their weight in gold. I mean, do you tend to use the same the same core group? I was going to say, in a in a remodeling business, the business is your subs, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have a couple uh, a, a couple companies for some of the trades, and for others of the trades, we prefer to stick with just one sub because we know what we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know their personality. We know their work, and so yeah, we 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 choose to partner with most of our subs i would say Mm -hmm. so i I was a uh, project manager in a past life and uh i mean i'm sure with the remodeling you do have to do some exterior interior probably both right Mm -hmm. Uh, i would say my the 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 subcontractor tradesman that i had the most issues with was always the concrete guys I mean, what, so what have you found to be your your the, the <laughs> most struggling trade? <laughs> Just a look of sadness. Concrete guys can be rough. <laughs> yeah, I know that. That's why they call them blackheads. We've had we've had pretty good luck with our concrete guys. We have we have strong personalities. I would say maybe in our um, our tile guys. Great strong personalities. <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? I would just say you you have to learn how each sub operates and and how they take in information. Oh, so you're like an adult babysitter, of course. I mean, kind of. Sometimes <laughs> you got to put the kid gloves on. <laughs> um, there's certain ones that are probably easier for for Tony. Tony has called me at times, and it was just like I'm going to just go ahead and be the only one to communicate with the sub. And um, there's times where you know that that we switch roles on that. So I think just knowing getting to know our subs and and figure out how to communicate with them is is key to the game. <clears throat> it's it's strange to have people working in your house, so it's nice to know who they are and have a relationship with them. It's prior critical, right? to that project. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a a code to the to the deadbolt to get into the house and you know, access to some of that personal space, so we do like to know. Yeah, and the homeowner feels a lot more safe when you Very feel much. safe about it. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of having someone coordinating all these different aspects. I mean, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to throw a little shade here because that's what I do. <laughs> um, I mean, contractors, subcontractors come in two varieties, dependable and children who just don't want real jobs. <laughs> I don't want to. Is it right? I mean, you know, I mean, nightmare stories pervade and and are well, well deserved. I mean, you know, it's 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 really, really hard. And if you go in and you don't have those strong relationships and you don't know how to speak their language, you're setting yourself up for absolute catastrophe, especially in this market, because right now labor is at an absolute premium, is it not? Mm-hmm. I think as a homeowner, if you don't have a general contractor, it is a really tough job because it becomes this job that you're trying to juggle with your family and your work life and so it's a full-time job hence why you're in the business it's and, a full-time job and, yeah. and the incentive from the subcontractors angle is not there if this is the only job they're going to be doing for you if things start to fall apart cut and run it yeah i mean they they're not looking for years and years of work in the future right and you're the one holding the bag mm-hmm. yeah. yeah a lot Whereas, of our subs won't take on uh, a lot of them are so busy right now that they won't work for homeowners or contractors they don't know because they're just they're so busy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, it's 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 absolutely true. So you have to have those relationships and also know that, you know, this too shall pass and eventually, you know, the market will slow down and they're going to want to have partners like you guys who are, you know, going to bring them additional business. At least the smart ones understand that, right? Right. So, I mean, it's it's key. Well, now, you have a process, too, for, you know, a methodology, if you will, for how you handle your project, Sandy. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so I think, you know, the beginning of any process and any relationship is listening. So whether that's uh, the, the, the referrals coming from an architect or an interior designer or homeowner directly, we really want to get in front of them, go to their home, talk with them about what their needs are, find out what's driving um, wanting to have people in your house and kind of um, changing your the way that you, you lived and what your end goals are. Uh, from there, uh, once we listen and we have a clear understanding of scope, then we want to educate our client. We want to educate them on cost of the project. We want to educate them on getting an interior designer involved or an architect if that is going to help mm-hmm. um, with their end result and just uh, what to expect with the remodeling process. A lot of people go into this with the end of their project in mind, but there are some steps and some things you're going to have to be okay with uh, Mm -hmm. in order to get there, especially um, in the remodel process. It's not necessarily a clear path to point A to point B. And HGTV might affect... Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Beautifully done. Let's talk all about the nightmare that is the HGTV (laughs) phenomenon. The one-week kitchen remodel for five grand. (laughs) Right? Exactly. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're coming back, and we're throwing major shade at HGTV. (laughs) Stick with us. You have lost that... I get along without you very Welcome back to Drinking the Style, Saturdays at 7, Sundays at 5, right here on AM 950 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can pick us up at whatever your podcast platform of preference is. That was a lot of alliteration from an anxious anchorman. Uh, anytime, drinkinthestyle.com or am950radio.com. All right. Tony and Sandy from Urban Refurbishment. We were just about to throw some serious shade at HGTV and Associated Things. And I will set the table on this. And, folks, if you guys don't know this out there, it's not reality TV. These remodeling shows have nothing to do with reality whatsoever. You cannot do your entire kitchen in two weeks and and pay $5,000 and wind up with a decent quality product in the end, right? I mean... You see, you see the homeowner sled, sledgehammer through one wall, and then the wall's gone, and then they show you what it's going to be, and then it's finished. It's just... It's, it's a fantasy. It's a complete it's a fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. It's it's absolute absurdity. And you guys must battle against that endlessly, right? We do. And actually, well, we were just talking with one of our subcontractors the other day. He does a few of these shows every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um he said he just can't seem to learn his lesson, but they run a 24-hour schedule, so they'll have inspections. They'll pay special inspection fees, and they'll have an electrical inspection at 2 in the morning and and uh, keep going with uh, wrapping it up starting at 2 in the morning until 10 a.m. So, Who is this? Wait, you're saying somebody does this? 
Yeah, that's one of all, our subs. A lot of those shows run a 24-hour schedule. Oh, I see. Okay, yes. Which is yes, not yes. realistic in the real modern world. No. Homeowners <laughs> don't want us in their house after 5 o'clock. Like, they're having dinner. A lot mm-hmm. of times people aren't moving out, um, and so they're working in temporary spaces, and there's a very small divider between our work and their home. Um, they don't want you there at 2 a.m., no, God no. That is the last going. thing I were. I don't care how good your subs are. If no, yeah, they don't want to be there either. If Vince is wandering around my kitchen at two a.m., I'm not happy at all about it, that. It's a different kind of sub you want over at two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say what it is. Exactly right. Try to explain this one to my wife. Yeah, no, seriously, she's a great designer. I swear to God. <laughs> but it's true. But what what tools are useful? So all right. So point one. Folks, seriously, throw away what you see on HGTV and all these, like, amazing house remodels in this absurd amount of time. What are tools? Where can you go for actual insights, uh, uh, Tony, on on redevelopment projects? Well, Sandy and I, we do like uh, Pinterest and House, um, also Instagram and Facebook as a way for owners to communicate what they do and don't like. Mm-hmm. Um and designers as well will will use they're such large platforms and so much to choose from they can put together an idea book and and uh, effectively communicate ideas without spending the money to make you know large mock-ups of of some of these design elements uh, and help us to move through the decisions quickly okay i mean that makes sense again that's a communication tool correct yep Without a doubt. All right. Yeah. No, that makes uh, that makes total sense. What about other aspects of contracting? And I mean, seriously, the nightmare stories left and right. And I'll probably ask you in the final segment for your nightmare story of choice. Hopefully, you'll give it to me. But um, what have you found to be traditionally the biggest kind of uh, 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 pitfall in in a redevelopment project? What is consistently the biggest problem that you run against? I don't know what Sandy would say. I would. I would actually think indecision is a big, uh, a, a big battle for us. That is a great, um, just because it affects so much um, as far as schedule. A lot of times, things that people want are weeks out, and so, you know, when we get to like plumbing rough in, which happens very quickly in the process, they need to know your fixtures and things like that. So, um, I feel like. Any kind of indecision or wanting weeks to 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 spend on that um, definitely is a hurdle. But we try to again in that education process talk to them about the power of an interior designer or right. um, someone like that to guide them through uh, to help. To, so and and some some people are wary of using an interior designer. Uh, they think that it's going to be too too much help, too much direction. Too much cost, and you can use an interior designer in uh, differing amounts, mm-hmm. uh, differing focuses on your job. But they really do help move through the many, many, many decisions. On a large remodel project, <clears throat> we might have seventy items that we're formally tracking, seventy selections that we're formally tracking. That's a, that's a lot. And it's you're a lot talking for everything ranging time. from fixtures to tile to sofas to handles. handles and crown molding. Windows, paint colors. I mean, it just uh, – wood floor colors, species. It's just on and on. It's, there's a lot. 
And the critical part is that, you know, if you are a layman, if you will, if you don't do this as a profession, you're making independent decisions in a vacuum. You're saying, do I like this chair? Do I like this fixture? Do I like this knob? Do I like that molding? When in fact, a designer, whether it be an interior designer or an architect uh, or a project manager in your case, is looking at the whole project overall. And that's really what you're, you're mm-hmm. getting when you work with a professional, right? Absolutely. I think that's that's the big thing is everyone's always like, well, what out of all these selections do I start from? Um, and really, it's all of them. They all have to go together. They all there's not like one piece and you put it together like a Lego. It just all needs to. Our project management it. software helps to maybe prioritize some of the selections on the front end of the job. But yeah, I mean, all, all of them, not all of them, but most of them affect each other. So it it is kind of a. Uh, it's kind of a total uh, a total group of selections that you're choosing, and honestly, for me, um, uh, it uh, that is very overwhelming. That's the kind of thing that really overwhelms me easily. And it's nice to lean on an interior designer to help with that kind of thing. Sandy has way better style than me, so she can she can figure it out. But well, and I think we look at selections differently. We look at selections on timing when we need to know what you're going to put in that where interior designers and stuff there it's not driven off a need to know, it's how we're going to overall look at this space and I think that's a big difference in in getting their involvement is big picture stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I always say, you know, being a professional in the, in an industry makes you, you know, it gives you a glimpse into the future. That as far as other people, I mean, if you have a a regular client, they have no idea what's coming next. I mean, they do a remodeling project a handful of times in their life, you know, if not just once Mm -hmm. type of thing. You guys do it every day. You know what decisions are going to cascade after you make one decision or another. And if the client is wise, they will trust the professional 100%. Yeah. It's in, in the grand scheme of things, it's such a small amount of money relative to the cost of the job to bring in a professional. Mm-hmm. For, and it's such an important it takes off part so of it. much stress. Yeah. So we see people get so stressed out. Where <clears throat> at the beginning they're excited, mm-hmm. they're ready, they can pick their own selections. But then it's just the trying to make them all fit, and then to fit on to what else is existing in their house. And it just um, we feel for them when they don't choose to. The money they think they're going to save in the long run by not having a professional, they're going to end up spending to fix whatever they didn't right. do properly. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Do a Google search for. Uh, Kitchen faucet, or bathroom <laughs> faucet, or <laughs> it's toilet. True. I mean, it, uh, the the things that we really take for granted. I mean, there are millions of choices out there, and uh, it's it's easy to be overwhelmed. Without a and, doubt, and a million opinions out there, uh, most of which <laughs> reading all the ratings for everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's 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 <clears throat> insane. So again, the the benefit of working with somebody who understands these things, and I mean, just talking about fixtures, for example. I mean, you know, let's say you choose a Moen faucet. Well, I mean, the Moen faucet that you're buying at Home Depot and the Moen faucet that you're buying at a plumbing supply store are not the same Moen faucet, right? It's very true. This is a, this is a conversation we have with homeowners frequently, and a, a very good comparison to this is Black Friday when you're looking at buying some Samsung TV model XYZ, the Black Friday TV is going to be model XYZ A, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's missing, you know, 10 of these expensive add-ons, it's, n- it's not the same appliance. Uh, and it's very similar with uh, big box store 
uh, fixtures where you're paying less money, but the guts of them are usually plastic and mm-hmm. and uh, and less durable. It's one of those things where you know people talk about you know they don't make it like they used to, and to some extent they don't and things, but mm-hmm. it's not the case. It's that they still make it like they used to, but now they're also offering crap that you can buy if you really want to try to figure out how to skimp on something. Is that we- correct? It's very true. Like the the plastic insides and things where it looks, it's just very deceiving for the homeowner who does not know. And they're like, why I would, I'm just going to go with the cheapest thing. Um, And overall, we want everyone to love their space. So if budget wise, you can afford that box store item and that's what's going to, you know, the look that you're going for, we will install it. We will educate you over and over that going to another, um, like a plumbing supply store is going to the longevity of it and how that's going to hold up. But in the end, we just want to educate and then allow our, our clients to, to make the decision for their for themselves and their family. Yeah, the, the finishes are a big uh, cost of the job. That, 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 is, the, that is the biggest uh, portion of the project that the client has control over the cost of the job with is through finish selection. Mm-hmm. And there's such a wide spectrum of cost, and like Sandy said, some budgets allow for, or 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 don't make sense to spend over a certain amount. Um, but yeah, there there, it, it's an overwhelming amount of decisions to make and uh, education to be had, and we're happy to help them sift through some of that. It is. I mean, it is key. But you open the door now to cost, so I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on this and, and get a sense. And I know everything. There's an asterisk on the end. You have no idea. I mean, a, a, a kitchen can cost, you know, a, a endless, you know, uh, spectrum of of cost depending. If you want solid gold, you know, handles, mm-hmm. it's going to cost you and stuff. But in a general sense, how much should a consumer expect for, let's say, a you know. Mid-level house, how much should they budget for doing, let's say, a bathroom remodel? This is a guest bathroom or master bathroom? This is – we'll call this the master bathroom. And can I, can I make a guess being out of the industry yeah, for like 12 do. years? Ooh, fun. Uh, it's a quiz. Do we have any quiz show music? <laughs> yeah. uh, I would probably say like – I mean top to bottom, are you talking about gutting the whole thing is doing a redo? Yeah. I mean you're, you're uh, probably looking anywhere from seventeen to $30,000. That Because you is... talked about finishes. Rather low. No, oh, it's even Bottom low. Bone. Wow, for a master, that's crazy. For a guest bedroom, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. It used to be, you know, thirty thousand dollars for a kitchen. Now you're above thirty for a bathroom. That's nuts. So, what would you say is realistic? Well, I would say for a master bathroom, they usually start at about fifty thousand dollars. But with the master, we're typically crazy. doing a master closet as well. Yeah, uh, it's you're usually looking at it as kind of a master suite uh, type of project. So we might have. $10,000 tied up in the closet. Of course. Mm-hmm. Because it has to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's a space where people will go all out with tile. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want right. a full walk-in shower tiled, you know, from top to bottom. Uh, it's not – we're not doing any – we're not seeing like the insert – tub inserts with, you know, tile above <laughs> anymore. We are full. <laughs> right. And tiles, that's a very labor-intensive uh, field. It's, it just takes a lot of time to put it in. Hence why your tile guys have a lot of personality, right? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> I want to get your sense. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I want to get your sense of how much that's gone up over the past 24 months, too, because labor cost is huge. But we're going to take a quick break. And Newkirk, we need more booze. Ew. Stick with us, folks. I thought for once it couldn't go wrong. 
having the cocktails made in the background of the music creates an ambiance that I'm really, really enjoying. Do you guys agree? I agree. I think that every lunch should go down like this. So, <laughs> so because, of the, because of the time restraint, we're, we're drinking. We're now drinking a, uh, a Cuddy Sark Old Fashioned. Uh, neat. <laughs> nice. That'll do the work. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a great afternoon. I'd love Tuesdays. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Drink in the Style right here on AM 950 Radio. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to do a quick shout out on the music that we're playing because we are sticking with the theme this year, which is 2020. We're working our way through Frank Sinatra's entire compendium of, uh, of musical creations. And tonight we've been listening to In the Wee Small Hours of the Morning, which was released in 1955. Uh, it was a big commercial success, reaching number two on the Billboard album charts, and it stayed there for 18 full weeks. It was also another theme album, a concept that Sinatra had been pioneering in uh, uh, the, the 1950s, and uh, it became associated with the Beatles in the 60s as a collection of songs all about one subject. But no, 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 friends, it was Frank Sinatra who came up with that concept rather than a hodgepodge. Thank you, Casey Keenum. <laughs> it's Kasem, by the way. Whatever. Casey Kasem. <laughs> Whatever. God, you're young. <laughs> I would say I'm going to have somebody spank you, but I know somebody's probably going to be spanking you later tonight, so it won't matter. That's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> On the Gregory Rich album acquisition scale, which I like to use for In the Wee Small Hours, um, I'm uh, giving this recording a quote. It's seminal, so you should probably have it, but be sure to sign the disclaimer in case you decide to fling yourself off a bridge rating. Uh, if you really want to lean into your sadness, this is a good album, but frankly, it's a little plotting and kind of kind of hurts my soul. <laughs> um, you kind of have to have a soul to be hurt, right? Excellent point. Yeah. I do have a soul. It's not mine. Right. Uh, but <laughs> Borrowed. Borrowed, never broken. Yes, Borrowed. That's how I got it. Um, <laughs> Very cool, Greg. Will we we be hearing these songs as the outro to the show? I hope so. Okay, <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, welcome back. As I said, we've been speaking with Tony Hughes and Sandy Winan from uh, Urban Refurbishment. And before I forget, because I always do in segment four, I remind myself, folks, guys, how do people learn more about Urban Refurbishment? Uh, we are on Facebook. We have a website uh, that kind of goes through everything you need to know about us. But we are most active on Instagram. You will find before and afters. You'll kind of find uh, the 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 in process uh, project photos. So the drywall taken off and what's inside, kind of stuff. So that is definitely a great place to follow us. I feel like. Do you? You've got uh, project uh, development on Instagram, so you can watch somebody's entire project unroll. Sandy's being modest. She is amazing on Instagram. <laughs> really? Uh, we've got we've got uh, a lot of times like videos. We've got videos of Tony shimming floors and doing some um, really yeah. cool fence applications and stuff like that. So I, it's one of the perks of this job is not only to make sure people are where they're supposed to be and doing what they're supposed to, but to put us on social media and uh, just kind of give people a front row seat to what it's like to open things up and take a look inside. That's really, really cool. When I read, uh, I finished our lower level off into kind of a theater room, and I actually, this is a good question, you know, you like to leave Easter eggs for folks. So I had this like vintage Omega watch that I couldn't get fixed because they didn't make parts for it anymore, so it didn't run. But I figured, you know, 
that'd be kind of cool. So I dropped it in the wall, figuring someday somebody uh, might find this vintage watch. You ever find anything really, really cool? So uh, just a couple things. Um, it's, I am always out on the lookout for stuff of real value, but we have found um, so like a, a carton of old shotgun shells that were mm. like 100 years old. Uh, I found a bunch of nudie magazines that were from like yes. 1930 or 1920. Look at those ankles. Uh, we find a lot of toys. Old and new, because kids are always putting toys of course. through mm-hmm. the year event, like yeah. all, all over. Mm-hmm. So we find some some kind of weird toys and cards and things like that. And uh, strangely, one of the most interesting things I found in a wall was they used to have razor uh, razor disp- not dispensers, but receptacle where they Disposals. would just right, right, right. They would just kind of like cut a slot. It almost looked like a, a light switch cover plate with a slot. And when you're done with your razor, you just put it in there and it fall into the wall. Really? But people would put all kinds of strange things in there, <laughs> both kids and then broken glass and all these weird razors and Well all the things stuff. that people flush down the toilet. Like I mean Probably we, we know that people yeah. can be irresponsible when nobody's watching. Right. Hmm. Right. No shame. You know like <laughs> someone needs to be there to shame somebody. Yeah. You know, that doesn't go there. I, w- I want to point out on the uh, on the watch thing. This was this was ten years ago, and now I understand that there's a thing called Meta watches. You ever heard about this? Mm-mm. So since millennials and Gen Z or whatever the last was, the last generation Gen- before Gen the apocalypse. Yeah, I just looked it up. Um, now I've taken to is wearing watches that don't work. Just as an art piece, because you have it's like a, phone. a bracelet. Yes. You are going to have to dig. In I, that know, wall. I know, I know, I <laughs> know. <laughs> to get that damn watch back. Call us open if you want to open that up. <laughs> is it, is it in your current house wall? It is. Was, it is, and I know right where it is. So I may actually dig it out of the wall. <laughs> it was a really nice watch. I, I won't lie. I was doing tiling and I was doing sheetrocking and I was exhausted and I wasn't thinking clearly and I was irritated at the watch because it stopped working again. So I just dropped it. But just just ballpark, how many watches do you think Greg has? Oh, at least seven. And how many oh, do you think are vintage? Four. <laughs> wow. <laughs> go go ahead and tell them. I don't I, even know anymore. I sold a few on Chrono 24. Are you talking like 15 or more? Are you around? Well, all right. This is, <laughs> all right, this is, here's, here's the thing. For a brief period of time, I thought about launching a, uh, a, a bunch of, uh, vintage watch. Before it became popular, this is, this is a while back, I was going to launch a, a company that I called Horology Limited. Because horology is the study of timepieces. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like to refer to myself as a horologist from time to time. Um, and we were going to, we were, I was, I, so I, so I acquired a ton of, uh, or a bunch of, of vintage watches that I had refurbished and redone. And then we we're going to sell them at Twill at Galleria, uh, Scott Dayton shop and things. And the deal kind of went south in the very end, but I wound up with a kick ass collection of watches, uh, ranging from like these awesome, like 1920 Rolex. On things. Are you trying to get my house knocked over? Why are you bringing this up? Whatever, man. I, I still want to take a look at the watch collection. I've still never been invited to his house. <laughs> and I even get hugs from his wife now, so it, we're, we're on a good good path. I'll invite you at some point. You, you don't mind using the back entrance, right? No, of course not. All right, good. It's normal, right. man. It's what I do everywhere I go. <laughs> I always find the back door. Jesus. It's Albanian common courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that was an interesting uh, uh, sidestep. By the way, Newkirk, you got anything you want to plug at uh, at uh, Mercy and 
Benedicts? Yeah, we have our new uh, our new Patron in Yeho barrel that, that came in last week. Um, by the time you hear this, I would already have been on WCCO. Uh, we're doing a little uh, National Margarita Day promo. Um, the the dinner that we did the the other night, we're going to do it again after I, I pump it up on the uh, on, on the on the. Chef Gustavo Romero did this amazing uh, kind of private dinner at Mercy uh, last week of these just – I don't even know where to start on, he, on he crushes it. He did. He, he makes his own tacos uh, that we do on Taco Tuesdays every Tuesday, which is today. But he you – know, his first course as a moose-bouche was a taco, but the, it wasn't a taco. Like he, he substituted a uh, daikon, like a radish for the taco. It was like a roasted duck. Sexy. Uh, Coach Anita Raviolis. I mean he's just a bad man. Yeah, no, he was. That was just the, the end course had a piece of cake wrapped in a corn husk. Oh my god, it was, uh, so it, good. was it was sexy. And was I don't sexy. like sweets, and this was absolutely delicious. Like and then we accompanied it and... with five courses of Patron tequilas. Yeah, uh, ranging, and we need to talk more about Patron at some as, point. As the kids show. would say, we turned up that that time. <laughs> it, it is what the young people say. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right, um, <laughs> we need to talk a little bit about the ASID, by the way. And here's the question, because this is something that we've been wrestling with a little bit, because you, you chair the programs committee. I do. I now am, unfortunately, co-chairing the PR committee. You're going to love it. Oh, dear. <laughs> you can drink on the PR committee, right? <laughs> you can drink anywhere in ASID. 100%. Yep. What are they going to say when I show up for committee meetings with like my little travel bar and Bloody Marys at 9 in the morning? They're going to ask you how many glasses you have. You're exactly right. <laughs> and the answer will be... Seven. <laughs> so programs committee. So here's my first question on ASID because I'm a big fan of, of organizations of this kind. Sandy, what do you personally feel that you get as a professional out of the ASID? Um, that is a great question. I have been fortunate enough to be part of ASID for years. When I first started my career in the construction industry, I was an ASID industry partner. Um, and I think it's holding yourself to a level of professionalism. Um, you're part of a community of designers and uh, industry professionals and educators who believe that um, that design impacts people's lives. And and I think that is just surrounding yourself with those people in that 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 caliper. Um, really, just make sure that you are professionally holding true to that mm-hmm. in everything that you do. You use the right word, true. Truth is is everything as far as I'm concerned. And you cannot arrive at truth unless you have an interaction with peers, with people who understand the world as you necessarily do. And you know, when you're a member of an organization like ASID, you are with professionals who have a similar worldview, who have similar experiences, and you can come to greater you know, truth, better conclusions than you would if you were operating in a vacuum, right? Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as a general contractor, we do our job that much better when there is a lot of truth involved. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't <laughs> agree more. Tony, real quick, if folks want to uh, have a project underway and they want to talk to you, what's a good email address uh, that they can reach uh, reach out? So either Tony at or Sandy at urbanrefurbishment.com. And Sandy is with an I, correct? It is correct. with an I. Thank yeah. you. Tony with a Y. My pleasure. All right, there it is, my friends. We have drunk our way through another episode on behalf of Habitation. Tony and Sandy from Urban Refurbishment, Newkirk from Mercy and such. I'd like to wish everybody good luck this coming week. And our quote is from S.N. Berman. Upon reaching the age of 75, quote, I've had just about all I can take of me. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 